I strongly believe that advisors play a critical role in our world and will always play a critical role. And, and my parents are the perfect example of that. Hi, I'm John Sullivan with 401k Specialist, and this is the 401k Specialist Podcast. Brian Graff recently celebrated 25 years at the helm of the American Retirement Association, and he posted side-by-side budgets on LinkedIn from 1996 and 2021. Let's just say it's grown considerably over the two-plus decades. Graff joined us to discuss his anniversary and his achievements, but true to form, he preferred to keep the focus on the ARA and retirement plan issues. We spoke about how the organization maintains its delicate bipartisan balance, auto portability and other upcoming issues, as well as a story from his childhood, which, intentional or not, makes him perfect for his chosen profession. We'll begin right after these messages. Is retirement planning an art? Well, I think so. I help my clients reach their retirement goals. Whether those goals are far away or right around the corner, I help them get there. That's an art. And with T. Rowe Price's full suite of target date solutions, you can call me a Rembrandt of retirement. Retirement meet your match. Visit trowprice.com slash target date. Principal value of target date strategies is not guaranteed at any time, including at or after the planned retirement date assumed to be age 65. T. Rowe Price Investment Services, Inc. Brian, how has the tone and tenor in Washington changed in your time with the ARA specific to retirement issues? And by that, we mean as D.C. has become more polarized, it seems like it's one of the areas of strong bipartisan support. And that has been a big priority for uh, the organization um, and our efforts to try to maintain that bipartisan tenor uh, among um, policymakers as well as regulators um, throughout the years. And it really, it dates back, frankly, to the mid nineties when, and I give a lot of credit to, uh, senators, uh, who, that, who were then congressmen, uh, Rob Portman and Ben Cardin, um, from Ohio, Cardin from Maryland, who, embrace this issue. There was a very small number of folks. I was on the Hill. There was a few, just a few people kind of working this arena. It was still very, even more niche than you can imagine. Um, and people kind of think of the 401k space as niche, but it was like super niche from a policy standpoint. I'd probably say that if there were, you know, half a dozen people lobbying the issue, that would be about the outer end of the estimation. Um, and, you know, because Portman and Cardin took that, that leadership role of saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to set aside this as a issue that we want to own, but also that we want to work together on. And the mid nineties still was a time when people you know, members of Congress could actually get together and talk casually, go to dinner, um, you know, be in a casual environment, Republicans and Democrats, and not worrying about, you know, a photo being taken of them and it being on social media and it blowing up in their face. And and really, they developed kind of an, an in, they're both very smart people. And that, even though they're kind of very different personality-wise, that that common theme in terms of, you know, their interest in kind of technical, more technical stuff than a typical member of Congress would would tend to be, kind of drew them together. This was an area that um, 
needed someone to sort of focus on. And both of them recognized that it was a, a, a great area to kind of delve into. And that kind of led to um, the Small Business Job Protection Act, which was based off of legislation that they crafted. And so that tradition of bipartisanship really is owed to them because they started off and they continued on. They didn't, they didn't, you know, stop there. They, they kept on going leading up to, you know, what became EGTRA and then finally, you know, then PPA and then secure. Is it a blow to lose Portman or is the train rolling down the tracks at this point? You know, I, you know, I mean, I'm kind of a historian at this point when it comes to this stuff, but, um, and certainly, you know, yes, of course it's a blow to lose Rob Portman. Um, but I think we're in a, in the best position possible given, um, the situation. I, I, you know, if this, if he was retiring 10 years ago, 15 years ago, even 10 years ago, um, I would be much more concerned, but what's happened since then because retirement issues have risen to a much higher level of attention uh, in D.C. for a number of reasons, um, there are many more uh, uh, senators, ho- House members that are interested in this subject than, than there was even, like I said, just 10 years ago. So we're seeing and we've been working with a whole bunch of different bipartisan you know, and we, again, we're, we're doing the same thing. So we've got like the Langford Bennett bill on, on emergency savings as an example. Um, you know, we're continuing to sort of pair up different uh, Democrats and Republicans, both in the Senate and the House. And, you know, there's a lot of folks dropping bills that never did retirement bills before. And that makes me believe that um, the train will continue on. But we're going to need someone like a Rob Portman to really say, okay, this is becoming a, a point of emphasis for me. And we've got a couple of, of senators on the Republican side that we see as prospects in that regard. When you testified before the Senate committee in July, it seemed like the senators were genuinely surprised by some of the statistics you mentioned and it spurred them to action. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's, what's fascinating about the coverage issue for, and, and I, you know, something that I've been <laughs> working on for pretty much my entire professional career um, is um, how, how much people recognize fairly quickly what the issue is, that the issue is significant, that it is a problem that we generally know how to fix the problem, but we are the way to fix the problem. But what we don't necessarily agree on is how we're going to get to the fix. And what I mean by that is there's universal acceptance around the notion that there are systemic populations in this country that don't save. And the reason that they don't save is because they don't have access to a plan in the workplace. Now it's really quite, it's the statistics are, you can't debate them. They're, they're incredibly compelling. And, and so the problem isn't, well, you know, sometimes you've heard the phraseology, identifying the problem is the, is the, is the first way to, to, to getting to, to the cure. So the good news is we've identified the problem. And, and, and again, there's Republicans, Democrats aren't debating that coverage is an issue. They, they agree that, you know, the systemic population of people that don't have plans um, 
They're not going to say it because they don't have a plan that it's particularly a problem for communities of color, um, you know, particularly for um, um, Hispanic community, for the black community, um, as compared to whites. The data is just, you know, um, distressing and, and, and obviously distressing. Um, but they don't necessarily agree on how to fix it. And what I mean by that is we need to expand coverage, but Democrats are more inclined to use sticks and Republicans are um, inclined to use carrots. And, and so figuring out, which is what we're in the throes right now of conversations about, how do we figure out a way to do a combination of both so that we can approach coverage on a, in a bipartisan way? which in the long run really is a better way of doing this. I mean, you know, when Richie Neal said, I want to do this coverage bill and require employers to have a plan, and it makes sense given the states have been doing it, you know, from our standpoint, okay, you know, we he's the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, obviously we're going to get on the bus. But in the long run, I think we're all better off if it's done on a bipartisan way because I don't know what's going to happen in 24. I don't even, you know, who knows what's going to happen in 22. I mean, we can read the the... The polls now, but we all know how how poorly polls predict anything. What's happened in the past? And so, and so, rather than have to worry about, well, if if there's a change in control in 24, are they just going to repeal this thing? Um, if it's done in a bipartisan way, like most retirement things are, you know that it basically rises above the politics, and and we can have some consistency, which is really what the industry needs. And so I, you know, in a way, although clearly, um, you know, it was disappointing to see that dropped out, you know, you kind of get up, you shake yourself off, you dust yourself off and you sort of realize, okay, you know, we're not done yet. We got to, we got to keep on pushing this coverage issue. And now we've got to approach it. Now, we, you know, now we know the way we have to go is on a bipartisan basis. And, and again, I, in the long run, that's probably the best approach of all. Is there one advocacy win that really stands out and move the needle with your time at the organization? Sure. I mean, I mean, if, if from an overall basis, it's got to be extra. I mean, um, I mean, I could tell you stories about how that happened, and then we probably don't. We do not have enough time. Okay. Um, but um, you but know, you're proud in terms of your the organization's influence. Well, we were the. I mean, I would say the result. I would say more than any other organization, we were the one. There was a period of time where the Bush administration um, was saying we're not doing any individual changes in the law, and and they pretty much put a kibosh on any tax changes affecting individuals. And so most of the, you know, the institutional lobbyists backed off, but we didn't. You know, we like we're putting all our eggs in this basket that we see this is an absolute vehicle to get this stuff done. We've got to, you know, we've got to get, uh, you know, we've done some great work in the Small Business Act, Small Business Child Protection Act, but that's not nearly enough to get, you know, to fix all of the bad things that occurred in the 80s and early 90s, you know, freezing coal limits, etc. And so we, you know. Notwithstanding the the White House pretty adamant, we kept on pushing, 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 and you know I, I would send emails like at wee hours of the night when you know we were on the hill, um, you know pushing to get this included. And there was a handful of folks, obviously Rob Portman, 
John Bro, who was a senator from Louisiana, actually was super helpful um, on the Senate side. And so, um, um, you know, it that was an enormous accomplishment and, um, you know, something for which um, um, myself and, and the organization should be very proud of. Because, that, you know, it's, it's you, when you're fighting things, when everyone's fighting something, it's one thing. When you're sort of still fighting and everyone else is backed off, um, that's really what stands, puts ARA apart because ARA is all about just retirement policy. That's all we care about. You know, most of the other trades have other issues. You, t- you know, my friends at ACLI or ICI, you know, they have institutional issues. You know, in the case of ACLI, they have issues relating to insurance company taxation. Trust me, there's lots of issues yeah. associated with that. ICI yeah. has, a, has, has investment company issues. Um, all we care about is expanding coverage, making it easier for working Americans to have a comfortable retirement. That is, that is all our eggs are in that basket. And so that nest egg, if you will. And so, um, you know, um, that allows us to be free to say, you know, I don't care what, you know, White House is saying, we're, we're going for this. And, and in the end, uh, people realized um, that this was a good thing to do with a few key, um, uh, players and that helped push us past the goal line on that one. What about disappointment or setback? The one that got away? Well, sure. I mean, it's it's clearly the it's 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 the coverage dragon, right? I mean, you know, uh, I've, it's a dragon I've been tracing my whole career, um, and it's going to continue to be. And I'm not going to stop until we get it done. I, you know, that's and if it's as much as is it's it was important to fix the what was broken with the current system. The last thing that there's two, there's two things that I see as the bigger issues that that I want to tackle as I continue on. One is we've got to get more people in the system because we know it works, and then we've got to we've got to take a real hard look at leakage because what's happening, particularly among moderate income workers, is that they're participating and then but they're losing a lot of money because of leakage. And I've seen some data from Ebre that's that's very you know concerning about how much leaves the system, particularly for people making less than $100,000 a year. Do you think auto portability is the answer? That is exactly the, in my opinion, that is just like we've done auto enrollment. I, I'm that, and I use that phrase, John, I, I, I see it as auto portability. We have to sort of have a very comparable mindset in terms of the behavioral economics around enrollment and saving. We have to apply that to portability too. And, you know, we, we're developing some ideas um, around that, but I, I got to get that coverage thing addressed because it, it's one thing to prevent leakage, but I, it's, I'm not really solving the bigger cover, the bigger savings gap, um, particularly the racial savings gap without addressing the coverage issue. There's right. no leakage if there's no, in other words, there's no leakage of income savings in the first place. You have a neat story about your parents and retirement savings lessons. Will you share that with us? Oh, sure. For my friends in the 403B world. Um, so um, my parents were public school teachers and um, they, um, you know, I remember, and I tell this story, we, you know, one of our sister organizations is NTSA, which is the 
the folks who work in the 403B space, particularly in the, frankly, in the K through 12 market, which is, you know, as I know, you know, John is talk about niche. I mean, it's about, it's the nichey, nichey, niche. Um, and um, I remember when I was 11, my, I was, you know, in, probably in my room playing Atari or something like Pong or something like that. We're dating ourselves here, Brian. Yes, we are dating ourselves, but that's the reality. And so, um, you know, it pulled me out to the kitchen table or or Formica kitchen table. And again, my parents were public school teachers. So so, uh, we're not talking about anything fancy here. And there was a guy and he was, my dad, for some reason, wanted me to listen to this. And he was there to you know, talk about why it was important for them to save on a supplemental basis into this thing called the 403B. Um, and trust me, I, you know, I didn't know what a 403B was. Um, but um, but I, I remember that very vividly. You don't always remember things from your childhood, but I remember that very vividly. And, and, it, and, it, and it was, he was very good at, at explaining. And I remember you know, that it made sense to me. And um, what was, you know, what I, what I tell, what I say to, to folks about this, and, and I think it's, it's important in that world, because a lot of people criticize that world. And, and, they're, you know, they're concerned about fees, etc. Um, and, you know, certainly, um, I'm sure, that the investment that was sold to my parents was uh, they're they're probably at the time were less expensive investments. On the other hand, this guy came to my parents' house at least once a year. I think at the beginning more more frequently, and the fact that he was able to get them to save has a lot of value attached to it and is worth something. And they wouldn't have done it unless he had showed up and had that conversation with him. And I'm sure of that. And as a result, my mom, you know, when my after my dad passed away and then with my mom as a single woman, was able to do stuff that she wouldn't have been able to afford had she had not saved. And I think sometimes we forget, when we're so focused on fees, we sometimes forget about the value of, of an advisor and what they can bring to the table. And I, the world is not made, DIY is not for everyone. And in the financial services world, it's definitely not for everybody. And sometimes we just completely ignore that and sort of think, well, it should be cheap, 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 cheap. But, but I strongly believe that advisors play a critical role in our world and will always play a critical role. And, and my parents are the perfect example of that. Do you think it was the seeds for your life's work in a way? I, you know, we, I mean, I've joked about it a few times. I, you know, it'd be, it, it's a great story in that regard, right? It really is. It sound, but it's not like, you know, I, I, I want to be the CEO of the American Retirement Association. No. It's, Eureka. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tampa in 2022 for the Napa 401k Summit. We know it's early, but anything in particular to look forward to at this point? Oh, it's, you know. It's going to be great. Um, we're really excited about it. Absolutely. Um, um, you know, we've got, in fact, we're launching um, the registration um, next week. Oh, wow. So timing is perfect. Um, at NapaSummit.org, I think it's on Tuesday of next week, we'll be uh, launching registration. 
Um, so the agenda is already kind of laid out. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot to talk about in terms of uh, Secure 2.0 being front and center next year. Once we get through the the reconciliation reconciliation exercise, we're going to be in an election year, and that's really the time when bipartisan stuff tends to happen. And so we're we're very bullish on the prospects of Secure 2.0 next year. Um, and I'm going to uh, certainly have a lot to talk about that. We might have some special guests from Capitol Hill uh, for the Hill to the Summit, um, and then uh, we're going to do a we're going to as an organization we are focusing on education for 401k advisors on lifetime income because we need to start thinking about uh, 401k plans, which really you know if you think about it, they're savings plans, they're not really retirement plans because there isn't any plan for retirement. You just have a pot of money. But we need to start thinking of 401k as a retirement income plan and how we transition from savings to retirement income is going to be one of the big focuses thematically for the summit. The two um, uh, to the through, essentially. The two to the through, uh, not just from an investment methodology standpoint, but from an income standpoint. And um, and so, uh, and of course, we'll be having some great events um, in the evening, as we always do, um, Nap After Dark. And for those of you who are familiar with Tampa, they know that every year they do something called Gasparilla. It's sort of the, uh, the big event in the city of Tampa. It's a, kind of a boat parade and um, uh, floats and stuff. And so we are going to recreate Gasparilla, but rename it Naparilla. Um, and so Creative. that's yeah, that's going to be one of the the great events uh, that we'll be planning for folks uh, in the evening. So great content during the day, and of course, great opportunities to network and have fun um, at night. Okay, great. And I just want to clarify: this is actually going to be sent out and posted to our website on Monday, so the registration will open tomorrow. Then that's correct. Absolutely, yes. Okay, tomorrow, NapaSummit.org. Get in early. Uh, great hotels, uh, Tampa, right. Uh, it's right. The convention center is right on the waterfront. If you if you want to kind of get a sense of where it was, you've remembered the Super Bowl parade and when Tampa won, when they threw the trophy, uh, when when Brady threw the uh, trophy to Gronkowski, that's literally where this this event is going to be. It's right there at that waterfront. Yep. That's perfect. Brian Graff, that's exactly what we needed. Thank you so much for joining us. Do appreciate it. My pleasure, John. Is retirement planning an art? Well, I think so. I help my clients reach their retirement goals. Whether those goals are far away or right around the corner, I help them get there. That's an art. And with T. Rowe Price's full suite of target date solutions, you can call me a Rembrandt of retirement. Retirement meet your match. Visit trowprice.com slash target date. Principal value of target date strategies is not guaranteed at any time, including at or after the planned retirement date assumed to be age 65. T. Rowe Price Investment Services, Inc.